Welcome. It's 1st of May. And when I think of 1st of May, I've got two memories. The first is learning about the death of Ayrton Senna, 1st of May, 1994. This was so big news. It's as if today someone telling you like Messi died. But I have a second very big 1st of May uh, memory, less uh, horrible, which is my participation in the 1st of May protests in my days in the communist youth. So it was one of the uh, peak events uh, of the year. If you're, a, if you're a radical, you would go out and protest the International Labor Day. And our slogan was, the chant was, without you, a single cog cannot turn. Worker, you can do it even without the bosses. Wow. I mean, it's Greek it rhymes. It sounds better. So this is the question we're going to examine today. Can workers indeed make it without the bosses? But before that, let me say hi to Mark. And I know that, Mark, you have a message for us from a generous sponsor of today's episode. Yes, I do. Ayn Rand Center UK is growing by leaps and bounds, folks. I think within the next year, we're going to be challenging Joe Rogan uh, for podcast excellence and uh, viewership. And so we got a sponsor now, and uh, I got a message to deliver to you from him. Are you tired of generic one-size-fits-all fitness plans that don't deliver results? I know I am. It's time for a change. Our sponsor, Thomas Bisson, has created the Pioneers of Personal Progress membership designed specifically for individuals like you who are committed to self-improvement and rational decision-making. Say goodbye to cookie cutter workout routines, folks, and diets that just don't work for your unique body goals and lifestyle. Instead, embrace a principled and evidence-based approach that aligns with objectivist values. Okay, when you join the Pioneers of Personal Progress today, you'll get immediate access to the newly created course, The Science of Building Habits Made Easy. And within the next 30 days, we'll be adding two more amazing courses, Principled Strength Training for Life and Evidence-Based Nutrition for Getting in Great Shape. Now, this is for a limited time only. Tom is offering an uh, incredible deal for daily objective listeners. Listen up, folks. You can get lifetime access to all three courses for a one-time fee of just 14 pounds 40. But act fast. Once the other two courses are added, the price will increase. So don't miss this exclusive offer to transform your relationship with fitness and nutrition. Click the link in the description below to get started with the Pioneers of Personal Progress membership today. Your journey towards, towards lasting success and a healthier, more fulfilling life begins now. You heard that, objectivist. Get on it. Your body's important. Treat it like a temple. Zero reasons not to get jacked. So many thanks, many thanks to Thomas for his for his sponsorship. So, first of May. So the first of May refers to the events of 8086. Most people think that these events were about the eight-hour workday and they led to eight-hour workday. Actually, that's not the case, but that's not the essence. The essence here is again. Is it that our economy is built, our progress, our life is built on labor. So there's this idea. It's the, I created the pyramid for today's episode. So here's the idea in uh, in Marxian thought. So think this as a pyramid. So here you have the many. These are the laborers. They produce all the value. And as you go down, you have people who are like the management and at the bottom, the capitalist. So here are the people at the top. They create the value. So everything we have, we owe to them. 
again, without you, a single cog cannot turn, which is technically true. I mean, it was true before at least the automation of the machine. Indeed, without the workers, the factory cannot operate. But is this the case, though, that the many are benefiting the few who are parasites? Because Ayn Rand suggested a different pyramid. She, she called it the pyramid of ability. And she said that everyone contributes, so there are no parasites here. But we owe the most to the guys at the top. Because if it were not for the guys at the top, there wouldn't be a factory to begin with. But also the guys at the top are contributing something which is essential and no labor, no force of uh, muscles and arms can actually substitute. Mark, do you want to tell us what this is that the ones at the top contribute in Ayn Rand's inverted pyramid of ability? Yes, they contribute the mind. They contribute reason. They contribute an integration of values. They contribute, they contribute uh, uh, science. They contribute, they contribute the intellectual part of invention. So to me, it's like the guy who discovered hitting flint, uh, hitting flint and metal together, creating a spark that's able to make fire uh, with the people who gathered the wood and the other things, so that the fire could consume. Uh, the wood and keep them warm and cook their food. Well, if we didn't have that guy who who discovered that uh, that amazing discovery at the top of the pyramid, the people gathering the wood wouldn't matter. Uh, it wouldn't matter at all. Yes, they are an important element. Uh, they do help, uh, but they mostly help in freeing that productive mind for inventing more things that are of great value to us. Right. And here's another way to put it. It's not only that the ones at the top are contributing something that the ones at the bottom can't. And this is not to belittle the people at the bottom. So think, for example, about, let's say, my employer, the Ayn Rand Institute. If it weren't for the people who created the institute, call, do the, collect the, the donations, put these things into operation, I wouldn't be here. I mean, I would be here as an amateur, let's say, but... I would be working somewhere else. So the so it takes it's easier in my opinion to be someone who talks about ideas. It's way 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 more difficult to create an organization that's been run since 1984 and then I can find it and then I can find it and I benefit so much from them. So in a way not only my employer doesn't quote exploit me but I'm so thankful to all the people who have made it happen. And now I can find it there and say, okay, I'm going to give you my skills, which are highly appreciated and they're uh, good from what I hear. And I'm very happy with that. So no one exploits anyone, but not only that, I owe something to them. Let me give you another simpler example. Let's say you operate a clerk, something that lifts pallets. So if I would have to carry these pallets, I would be able to carry, let's say, 50 pallets every day in the factory. But now with the clerk, I can carry 500 pallets every day. I produce way more value, which means I'm getting paid more. So not only there is no conflict, not only there is no conflict, but again, the few that have contributed, the, that have brought down technology that, that have brought down science and made it productive technology, they make my life actually much, much, much better. So not only there is no conflict, but actually there is this synergy that leads to progress. But in this synergy, again, 
the, the most important parts are the ones who envision and the ones who actually create the structures, the factory, the companies that then we go and work in. Yeah, let's, I mean, you're talking about the tangible benefits of an innovator who creates who creates a piece of technology that makes an individual more productive. And because they're more productive, they get more material wealth from it. But there's also uh, the unseen benefits, the things you, that aren't tangible that people get from uh, the inventor, from the, from the mind. For example, Thomas Edison uh, gave us the light bulb, which was an infinitely cheaper piece of, of illumination that lasted longer than the candle and gave people the night. It gave people the night to study, to have leisure that they wouldn't ordinarily have. You know, people in the days before that kind of illumination went to bed when the sun went down because there was nothing else to do. The inventor of the radio gave was able to put orchestras, the London Philharmonic, in your room. So you didn't have to have the resources. You didn't have to take the time to travel to London to, to listen to great music. You, you, you got great entertainment in your, in your room. So many innovations like this that give you, they not only give you, they make you more prosperous, they make you richer, they give you more time um, and leisure, and they make your effort to achieve your life much less strenuous. So those are the intangible benefits, just a few intangible benefits that inventors give us. And of course, it, it is very, very important to have good workers which is why uh, many big uh, names, or for example, Henry Ford went out of his way to make sure he finds the best. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he was also a bit racist, so he excluded many of the best. But that was to his detriment also. But uh, for example, we see this also in Atlas Shrugged, where Hank Reardon makes a case that he wants his the, the boss of his labor union to be someone who actually his job is to make sure that he brings the best. And be, how do you attract the best? There's only way you can attract the best you pay them more. So again, we see how this is a synergy by which everyone is becoming better off. And here's one big problem with this theory of of parasitism. So if these on the bottom create all the value and these on the front create, on the top create nothing, why isn't it that these at the bottom won't go on their own? So who is stopping you from creating your own factory I mean, there are so many today millionaires who are uh, have apparently a very guilty consciousness, God knows why, and they espouse all these anti-capitalist ideas. So I'm sure if some people go and do a GoFundMe and say, hey, we want to create a factory without parasites, no management, no CEO, more power to you. Why don't you do it and try it out? Or anyone who says that, uh, yeah, what these capitalists do, it's very easy. They just exploit the workers. If it's so easy, go and do it. I mean, you're going to make millions and then, you know, you can you can give these millions away because I'm sure uh, these people are above money. So why don't you try it? And the answer is, of course, they cannot try it because the, the, the role of those at the top is indispensable. And if you have, if you want to see it concretized, see, for example, Apple without Steve Jobs and Steve Apple with, with Steve Jobs. Or see a football team without a great manager and the same football team next year with a with a great football manager so the mind who puts things together and the mind who organizes even more when it comes to business in a horizon that can be decades is something that is is definitely something that we should say hey hats off and not uh, not demean as uh, as parasites 
Yes, I mean, organizing capital, organizing labor in such ways to make you efficient and more productive is an extremely difficult intellectual task that is totally unrelated. But I got news for the Democrats and the Republicans who are both into this labor theory of, of value uh, and try to push manufacturing and think that, you know, the existence of low paying manufacturing jobs somehow means that we're actually progressing. I got news for you folks. We are moving closer and closer and closer to an intellectual economy. Now, it's always been that the intellectuals, the ideas are what move the world. They're the levers of the earth. But now we're getting closer and closer to that where labor is becoming less and less relevant. That's not bad for you. That's good for you. That makes you infinitely more productive and actually frees you for that, that communist utopia where you can actually be an artist one day, a fisherman the next, and, and actually indulge your passions in a way you couldn't before because you've got time. And, in a, and as our friend uh, Atlas is saying in the comments, time is finite, great invention, save time, life. Indeed. As uh, I've heard Andrew Bernstein say in one conference, Technology save us time, and time is all we have. Yes, but the time, thing is, it, time is the one unrenewable resource, folks. It's unrenewable. Yeah. It once it's done, it's done. You want as much of it as you can. Exactly, but technology doesn't grow in the in the trees. Someone is bringing it down to the level of uh, production. And you said something. In some ways, every labor is intellectual labor, and again, no labor is without merit. So one of the people that I know in real life and I admire the most for their work is someone who is actually a cleaner. So it's a family, it's a woman who came from the former Soviet Union in the early 90s and she's of, she's of such a demand because she's, she's brilliant. She cleans very fast. She's very, she's, 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 she's very talented in what she's doing and she gets pride out of it. She makes a lot of money and she's in such a demand that it's very, very difficult to book her because again she's she's very good so when we say that uh, the, the, you you have to put your mind into work this applies even to all kinds of even to all kinds of uh, labors because there's ev there's always a better way to create to to do your to do your work and something else one last thing i want to to cover uh, since it's may day we hear that uh, we hear that it's through the struggle of workers that the working hours were diminished. But if this was the case, why did they got diminished at that particular time that they did? So, for example, if the if the workers would uh, or the farmers back then would organize better and have better unions in the 16th century, let's say, could they work only eight hours and become infinitely richer? The answer is not. So, where am I getting with this, Mark? Yeah, it, it had to do with capitalism. It had to do with getting richer. It had to do with the greater technological innovation. Deirdre McCluskey talks a lot about this uh, in, in her great economic works. Burton Folsom talks about it in his economic uh, histories. Um, the, the, the union movements, the labor movement basically piggybacked onto progress that was already happening. And when they actually, when they did, when they created labor laws, say in England, um, the labor laws weren't, uh, were usually not followed. And they and in England, specifically child labor laws were against government, government, uh, uh, the, the children who were in government 
homes. They were essentially orphans who were being farmed out by the state as sort of uh, indentured labor uh, to companies. And of course, those types of situations, state-run, state-subsidized, state state-oversighted tend to be quite unjust and disrespectful of the rights of children. And so those were geared towards state problems that had, had created been created by uh, this uh, or orphan situation. But for the most part, child labor laws, to the extent that they were there before progress started happening, were ignored. And the state allowed it uh, because they knew that the population was too poor not to have their children work. And uh, so it wasn't those labor laws that, that changed the situation for children. It was being more wealthy that changed the situation for children. Indeed. And uh, Marilyn, who I want to thank you so much, Marilyn, for your contributions. You say that unions get credit they don't deserve. They hurt the best among the workers and they cut down tall poppies. So particularly when they are in bed with, uh, with the state, this is what they do. Because in principle, there's nothing wrong with workers organizing unions. Indeed, they can bring forward the demands that actually the the employer should take into accordance because it might make the workers happier, more productive. Uh, and why would you want to work with people who are not happy with you? But again, this should be a peaceful, a peaceful process. And I want to bring one last thing on the table because we have only three more minutes. Today, it's a short episode. If indeed it's the case, as we hear with uh, class struggle, that the interests of the workers and the interests of the capitalists are contradictory, they're antithetical. Wouldn't this lead to the logical conclusion that the best thing then for the workers would be for the capitalists to, you know, to become poorer and poorer and poorer for the profit margin to fall and then to close the factories or to disappear or to leave the factories to the workers? Because again, this is what we hear. And we've seen this in some countries. We've seen this in some uh, alternative socialist countries where what the government would do is to give the factory to the workers. And again, the result was a disaster. Or in other cases, you had the government saying to the workers, okay, this company, we've, 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 we've driven it to close with the high taxation, with the high regulation. Do you want to take it? And the answer usually is no. Do you want to take the coal mines that run in a loss? No, I don't want that. Just, you know, we just, we just want the results without the cause, without having to run the factory and run it efficiently. And again, this shows you how essential it is to have in the production process someone who is the supposed uh, parasite, the capitalist, the manager, the CEO, the person who envisions, who puts the money, who puts the risk, and then you come in and you find a job waiting for you. It might not be a great job, but hey, why are you there? It means probably you haven't got a better alternative. Therefore, at least don't be that kind of person who says F you to the person who gives you your one chance. Indeed, indeed. So uh, I don't mind having a Labor Day where we honor people who work hard to make a living, but let's also have an Entrepreneur Day, a Capitalist Day, where the people who come up with the ideas that make us better, that give us wealth, that give us time, that one unrenewable resource, where we honor them instead of ex instead of promoting the exploitation of them or shaming them publicly for being good at what they do. Exactly. At the end of the day, everyone, you want a job where everyone wants to be good at what they do. And in that case, they will not stay at that job for long. They would get better and better and better. Thank you so much, Luis. 
for your very generous contribution and we really appreciate that you get value out of this. So today it's a brief daily objective. So before we go, let's remind our friends uh, what they can do to improve their health, their physique, and a huge thank you to Thomas for your sponsoring of today's episode. So Mark, remind us what the offer for today is. Yeah, all you got to do, folks, is click the link in the description below to get started with the Pioneers of Personal Progress membership today. Folks, do it today. Don't put it off. Your body matters. It is it's sharpening the saw. It's making you better to treat your body as a temple. Um, so do that today, and you will feel better tomorrow. And you will do it with someone who thinks in a way you would appreciate, with someone who uses logic who uses uh, induction on how things work not someone who tells you oh this is the rule and it applies whether whatever your body type so you're gonna work with someone whom uh, we know as a person we know how he thinks and it's a good opportunity for you many thanks marilyn she likes the idea of an entrepreneur day unfortunately i don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon so i really like these brief episodes thank you very much mark Thanks to everyone. Happy uh, May Day or Labor Day or however you celebrate it. Have a great month and let's appreciate what make our life great. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Peace.